Welcome to the Others and Brothers Podcast. I'm your co-host Sam Marsh. And I'm your co-host Jacob Marsh. Together, we We are are the Marsh Brothers. Welcome back to the Brothers and Others Podcast. I'm your co-host, Sam Marsh. Got a great episode for y'all this week as we welcome Quincy Lafayette to the pod. Uh, Quincy is a lifetime friend going all the way back to elementary school when we started playing basketball together. Uh, He's obviously a fellow Okemos Chieftain and MSU alum where he obtained a bachelor's degree in packaging. He's currently working on the Lysol brand trying to help implement new product developments and more importantly pushing for sustainable packaging. An avid traveler, NBA fan, and aspiring musician currently working on an EP project that dabbles in both acoustic and electronic sounds. A curiosity for futuristic technology has also led him to develop a recent interest in pursuing opportunities in the AI field. Residing in in Brooklyn, New York, with fiance Jules, ready to eat everything NYC has to offer. Before you start listening to the pod today, just want a quick shout out to our, our Michigan State Spartans for advancing to the Sweet 16. Go Izzo and the boys. Other than that, I hope you kick back, relax, and make sure to submit those questions to brothersmarsh at gmail.com. Enjoy! <music> I'm your co-host, Sam Marsh. And I'm your co-host, Jacob Marsh. We got a special guest for y'all today. We got Quincy Lafayette on the pod. Quincy, what's Quincy. shaking, man? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Really excited to talk to you guys today. Yeah, man. It's our pleasure having you on. Have you been watching the tournament so far, March Madness? Oh, yeah. I've been trying to keep up with most every game, at least seeing, like, the end of it. And there's been some crazy, crazy games. I'm really uh, excited to see how MSU kind of uh, has their game against Marquette uh, tonight. What about you guys? Yeah, I mean, my bracket's definitely shot at this point, which is kind of nice because then I don't really have to worry about paying close attention to the games. I really just want to root for MSU to pull off the upset. Are both of your guys' brackets completely shot by now? Yeah, my, mine is absolutely tanked. I mean, I still have Houston winning it all, uh, and most of them. I think I have Alabama, but I ha- I definitely had Arizona in a good chunk of the Final Fours. Um, but, uh, you know, shout out to EJ Kohler. Um, but he had said once the – I think it was once Arizona lost that he was just rooting for chaos, so – I'm at that point where my bracket's done. I don't really care who wins anymore unless it's Michigan State, obviously. Um, but, you know, pardon my French, but fuck it. Let's have all the high seeds lose. Why not, you know? Yeah, I saw Princeton won their second game too, right? Yeah, they beat uh, – who did they beat? Missouri? Yeah. Yeah, they handled Missouri. Not easily, but they were in control. I, I was able to watch a good chunk. They were in control most of the time. Nice, yeah. Same here. I had Houston going all the way in one bracket, Purdue going all the way in another. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Let chaos ensue. <laughs> all 
I was reading this morning that one kid from Alabama, I think it's like Brandon Miller is his name, the one that's uh, involved with the whole shooting but didn't get charged. Apparently he's had to have like armed guards like escort him to and from the games because of threats. That's insane. Are you serious? Yeah. Isn't that wild? That is crazy for college too. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, especially at the end of the day, he's a kid. What were you going to say, Jake? I I was just going to say, I mean, the dude is going to be a top five NBA lottery pick. So I think from his perspective, it's, I mean, life insurance, I guess, is what you could describe it as. Um, But I just can't even imagine, you know, all the stuff that that dude's going through right now. I'm sure it's got to be quite a lot. Yeah, me neither. Speaking of NBA, I saw the Mavs pulled off the win against the Lakers. That bumped them up to the sixth seed with the tiebreaker. Uh, What are your thoughts going into the playoffs here, Quincy, on the NBA landscape? Oh, man, there's a lot going on. I I was really high on Memphis, um, kind of pulling some upsets, you know, in the playoffs this year. But with the whole Ja Morant situation currently, (laughs) I'm kind of – Kind of wish washy on them now, <laughs> depending on how he comes back. I'm going to throw my flaming hot take in. They have no chance at winning the title this year, even if they're at full strength. I think the ceiling of that team is probably the Western Finals, and that would be in an absolute best-case scenario. I would be willing to bet that there's a good chance they lose in the first round. <clears throat> definitely extremely hot and cold um, the way they play basketball. And you know who's really kind of surprised me and under the radar is Sacramento. I I love Fox and Sabonis is like one of the best big guys um, next to Jokic, obviously, that I've watched play in a long time. Yeah, man, their team basketball is just insane. It's going to be really, really interesting to see how well the Kings do. Um, at first, I really thought they were going to be kind of like the Hawks that one year. They had like the five guys in the All-Stars, and I'm pretty sure if they didn't lose in the first round, they lost in the second round of the playoffs. Um, but then I was seeing a statistic that it's – I'm pretty sure no team or like no team since in a really long time from the West has made the finals with a losing away record. And the only team in the West right now in the playoff hunt with a winning – uh, road record is the Kings. So then that makes me think, huh, will they be able to do it? But yeah, the whole uh, John Moran thing is just absolutely insane. Uh, I saw what he ended up getting, is it eight games that they're doing for suspension? Yep. Yeah, I think it's eight games um, and then whatever. I know he was doing some like counseling stuff, so I'm sure it'll definitely impact through the rest of the, the season and into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, he's lucky. At first, I thought he was going to get the Gilbert Arenas 50 games, like, death sentence. But thank God it's only eight games. But, yeah, I mean, much to your guys' point, I really think because of that and how they've been playing, I I don't see him doing anything in the playoffs. Uh, Quincy, do you have, like, uh, any favorites going into the playoffs that you think are going to pull it off? I know originally I was thinking the Celtics have had a good chance of getting there, but they've really fallen off recently. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I think the Nuggets have, you know, an amazing chance. They have uh, Jamal back. 
for the playoffs this year who they didn't have last year. And um, obviously, like, what Jokic is doing is just absolutely insane. I know you guys are both fans of the center position, and it's been really, really fun over the last, like, five, six years to watch him completely go to work. <laughs> yeah, I love me some big man, and I agree 100%. It's amazing watching him on the floor, uh, and especially that one game where it's him, Jokic and Embiid, like, that was just a battle for the ages down low. Are you? Uh, do you consider yourself a Nets fan now that you're living out in New York, or is it still just Pistons ride or die? It's pretty much Pistons ride or die as far as like a team that you know. I would say that I'm connected to. Um, I did want to see a game when Durant and Kyrie were uh, were playing, but didn't get a chance to do that. But now, obviously, with those two leaving the team, there's not much to watch except for. Uh, Maybe um, Ben Simmons on a broken night. <laughs> Poor guy, man. Talk about just uh, one of the weirdest cases in the NBA I've ever seen. Just uh, all, I'm pretty sure he did get all NBA at least once. Um, so, I mean, yeah, like all NBA, NBA all-star talent, and then it just completely go away. Uh, and what, I think he's still owed like 130, 140 million or something like that. So, it's not like you you can really buy that out and make that go away anytime soon. I was gonna say, do you guys remember anyone having their confidence level basically just completely derail their professional sports career? I have not been able to come up with a name. I'm sure, if I think hard enough, but wanted to know if you guys could remember anybody like that because his confidence. I mean. You can just watch it, man. He he doesn't look like he has any will left to play. Yeah, the only one that comes to mind is uh, whoever that guy on the Magic that missed the free throws uh, in the playoffs with Shaq. And then I'm pretty sure just after that, like, his NBA career went to nothing. But that's really the only other time I can think of where somebody just completely lost their confidence of a certain scenario. And then after that, it was never the same. Yeah, most definitely. Was that Nick Anderson? Yup. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Anderson. That was, yeah, he definitely wasn't the same after that. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. Not really. I know Dwight Howard. There was a few kind of moments in his career where I feel like he really lost uh, some confidence in his game. But apparently he's over in Asia right now, just putting up 40 and 20. So I guess it's not too bad. <laughs> The Wandon Tigers. <laughs> I know uh, one thing we were chatting about before we were hopping on uh, was staying kind of like active in adulthood, and especially since all of us were athletes uh, when we were younger. Have you found it like kind of tough to replace that competitive need and competitive desire as you've gotten older in your life, Quincy? Yeah, most definitely. From a physical, like being active standpoint, um, for sure. I recently um, got into pickleball, like the end of last year. And um, that's something that I'm really looking forward to kind of pick up um, this spring, going into the summer, maybe join a few uh, like leagues um, here in Brooklyn. They have some pretty beautiful um, courses or courts over by the uh, the river so looking to get into that other than that kind of like we were talking about before too is just yoga just trying to keep active you know 
do some breath work. What about you guys? Well, before we go into what we're doing, I'm curious to hear more about pickleball because I've definitely seen that everywhere. And I definitely like walking sometimes during my lunch break. I'll see people on the tennis courts. Um, What exactly is the difference between that and tennis? So I'd say the best way to describe it is it's just a smaller court, um, both length and width wise. and I'd say it's a good mix of ping pong and tennis. So always loved ping pong growing up, always loved tennis growing up. And it's like that perfect in-between um, where you don't have to move as much as you do in tennis, um, but you can still get some of the cool, you know, front spins and back spins that you do uh, when you play ping pong. So I, I think that's a lot of the reason why the older generation likes it so much too is because you know smaller court it's kind of easy to you know take one or two steps in both directions and cover the court especially when you're playing um uh, duos how long does a normal game take what are you guys playing to i usually play until 11. so usually play to 11 um and it's interesting the way that you keep score too um because you specify which serve it is. Um, so yeah, it's, I'm, I'm still kind of learning too. I probably should take some, take some classes on it, but just from a, you know, haven't found anything that, you know, has been that exciting as uh, far as a physical sport goes in recent years. So definitely excited to pick that up. Yeah, I definitely say that's always the tough thing is finding that really competitive, like, you know, either team or individual sport. Uh, I know, like, in terms of staying active, I've been walking a ton. I recently got into yoga really hardcore. Um, I'm doing, like, five to ten hours of yoga a week, trying to do at least an hour of it a day. So that's been really helpful. Um, and hoping, yeah, I can parlay that into getting back onto, you know, some like full court five on five or maybe even get back into the pool. Um, but yeah, pickleball has been on my radar. I saw even LeBron James invested in a team. They're doing a professional league. So it's good to hear that you've been enjoying it. Um, what about you, Jake? What are you doing to stay active nowadays? Well, uh, first I, just want to tell you guys I'm proud of you guys for staying in shape, taking care of yourselves. It's really important. Obviously, Quincy, I haven't seen you in a while, but uh, I'm, I feel like I have a, a pretty good idea uh, of who you are as a person. So I'm sure that um, you're taking care of business up there in Brooklyn. So I'm happy for both of you guys, and I'm proud of you, man. I want you guys to know that. Um, what I am doing, well, uh, mostly I swim a lot. Uh, I set a really lofty goal for myself this year to swim 500,000 yards, and I am pretty far off from that goal. Uh, I had to take, uh, it'll end up being a total of about five and a half weeks off because I got a tattoo, Um, but I really try and swim, I'd say, at least four times a week. I usually, it's usually somewhere between three and five. Uh, I just got back into weightlifting a little bit. Um, I don't know if my buddies Alex and Keenan, they've been really uh, going all out on the weightlifting. So I figured if I started doing that, it'd be easy to keep myself motivated. Um, and I still play water polo, man. I mean, I uh, 
you know, I usually want to try and play at least one or two Masters tournaments a year. Um, I can't shoot for shit <laughs> right now, but uh, my defense is still there and my leg strength is still there for the most part. And, yeah, I mean, really, I just the, – the biggest thing I started doing was just walking a lot more, kind of like what you were doing, Sam, and then that kind of snowballed into swimming. And then, um, yeah, now I'm weightlifting a little bit and – so that that's usually what I what I do in the summer. I'll probably ride my bike a little bit more. And yeah, I really just I want to set a good example for my son and stay healthy. Kind of my personal watershed moment was my dad called me and he was bragging about how he lost a bunch of weight. And this was like right in the middle of the pandemic. So probably July or August of 2020. And, uh, you know, I got on the scale and was uh, a lot heavier than I uh, than I had anticipated. Uh, I can't remember. It was either 252 or 257, one of the two. At any rate, I'm down uh, about 25 pounds since then, and my goal is to get to somewhere between oh, yeah. 210 and 215. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, congrats to getting that going because I feel like the hardest – this part is just, you know, starting it, making a plan and just continuing to do it. But as we all know, like swimming, being in that pool, that will get you in shape faster than <laughs> than a lot of things. Um, I did want to ask, that's so cool that you're still playing in Masters tournaments and stuff like that. Where um, where do you find is the best place for you to, like, get into the pool? Because I know there's, like, rec centers and stuff like that, but where are you finding the best place to uh, to swim and practice? So, uh, Sam, Sam, my wife and I, we all go to the Moody YMCA. It's here in Dallas and that has been a godsend. It's got a really nice pool, super easy. They have really great hours Monday through Saturday, Sunday, not so much, but it's the YMCA. So, you know, it is what it is, but, um, yeah, in the summer, there's a YMCA that one of the local masters teams, they have Sunday outdoor scrimmages, so I'm going to probably try and do that a little bit this summer. But they have an outdoor swimming pool there, so I'll probably try and swim there a little bit more during the summer. Um, but, yeah, we, we normally just go to the YMCA because it's quick, easy, affordable, and, yeah, no complaints. Yeah, the YMCA is where it's at, man. It averages out to, what, like 40 bucks a person plus uh, Jake's son Apollo's on the plan so he can do daycare. But that's where I go and do all my yoga classes because just by paying the monthly membership, all of the group fitness classes are free. So I basically get, you know, what is it, uh, five to ten classes a week uh, and do that four times a week. So at 20 to 40 classes a month for only 40 bucks a month, which you can't get anywhere else. It's insane. Yeah, that's awesome. So, and they have classes in the morning and in the evening. Yeah. So that's what they have classes starting at like 6am. And then the last one during the week is at 7pm. So usually I'll do a 5.30 p.m. and then the 7 p.m. one, although depending on how tired I am, I may just do the 5.30 one because I also want to be able to get back and walk Jackson um, after work. 
And then on Saturdays, I'll do two morning ones. And then the only uh, problem is, like, they don't have any classes Sunday. But I just count that as my rest day and just be super lazy all day. Yeah, you have to. Sundays are, are a good time to relax, clean the house a little bit, listen to some good music, watch some good movies. Yeah, you got to be able to relax and treat yourself. Uh, besides, you know, taking care of yourself physically, I know you obviously like to keep your brain active, you know, making music. And then you're talking about how recently you've gotten really into AI. What kind of inspired getting into the AI? and Like, what makes you really excited about that? Honestly, um, chat GPT, I know that's kind of blown up in the last, you know, four or five months. Um, I kind of came across it on the internet, on Twitter or something like that, and started messing around with it. And it was just so surprising to me how, how efficient um, it made workflows for idea generation or, you know, tabulating, you know, lists into columns and rows. Um, just that alone was, from what I would see from like my packaging job or, you know, writing music, you know, trying to write lyrics to a song. Um, so that's kind of where I first kind of discovered um, that there was a platform out there that could, you know, handle all of that kind of stuff in an easy to use way. And I, I started kind of diving deeper um, over, you know, Christmas break and the beginning of this year into that AI space. And uh, kind of like I sent you guys a link to that AI tools website. And there are so many tools that are out there now um, from, you know, text to image tools to um, audio tools that can produce music from prompts that you give it. So um, yeah, just trying to like learn as much as I can about it right now. And one of the things I'm really, really interested in and passionate about in this sector is the impact that the potential impact it has on improving our education system. Because we all know that that's something that um, the world could get better at uh, improving. So I think that AI will definitely, once everyone kind of realizes it can be a powerful tool instead of something to be afraid of, we can um, do a great job at uh, you know changing the education system in a way that benefits the, the students to uh, perform and just you know grow at their best. Yeah, I mean, th that's a great idea. And I didn't even I mean, that's the biggest thing with AI is like every single time I encounter a new thing about it, I'm like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Like when you said song lyrics, I was like, oh, that's genius. I didn't even think about that. How do you think uh, AI could really help change and improve the education system? Because I agree. I mean, that's one thing, especially down here in uh Texas and more specifically Dallas, I guess I don't know how much it is statewide, but here in Dallas, people talk about all time, all the time about how bad the public schools are. So a lot of people go the private route. How do you think uh, the AI could really help change that? Honestly, I think it has the ability to give teachers a little bit more help in um, just assessing uh, kids um, growth throughout you know, whether it's the semester, the year, um, and then also kind of tailoring each, you know, lesson plan or subject um, to that specific student. Because uh, what was it that um, 
the analogy they always say that, you know, a fish can't climb a tree, but that's essentially what the education system is doing. It's giving standardized tests to people that may, you know, not be the best at them, but they flourish in other ways. So I think AI has a great chance to to help teachers, you know, be able to teach and grade and plan lessons um, around um, the student instead of, you know, the standardized, here you go, guys, everybody do the same thing. Yeah, those standardized tests are whack. I really have I, I, I'm right there with you, Quincy. I just feel like the education system doesn't recognize all of the way that each student, each student learns in their own individual way. And so some students need more hands-on attention. Other students, you know, they could pick up the book and learn it on their own. I mean, it just, that standardized testing doesn't do anything except decide who's better at rote memorization versus who isn't, you know, but I mean, I know that's a way gross oversimplification, but from my perspective, I mean, think about what your experience was like in college, Quincy. I'm sure you could think of times where you were taking an exam and being like, oh, I could have not gone to class and still gotten, you know, a C or a B minus or something like it, it just, I don't know. It just seems very failed and flawed and I'm right there with you guys. I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe the this automated technology will be able to give it a boost or at least push it in a different direction we haven't thought of. Well, yeah, and I really, you know, I was thinking while you guys were talking, depending on how far they advance it, they really could even set up where each a you know each kid would have their own AI bot, and therefore it's like each kid would have a personalized teacher for themselves that would help you know constantly learn how the kid learns better and be able to help them ingest all the information. Yeah, I really, I really like that idea. That's, that's a great idea. And it would be amazing too, because you could then teach like teachers who go into, you know, that realm, they could adopt a, an AI degree. They could, you know, pick up and take lessons and go to all of these, um, you know, bigger AI conferences and learn, and then that could be, you know, the stepping stone to increasing the teacher salary, which we all know is grossly underpaid. Um, so there's definitely multiple benefits that I think that um, if the education system can can adopt it and put in um, some some plans, they could uh, they could see a an awesome world come from it. Yeah, although I do agree with you. I think one of the first steps is getting people to be more accepting of it and not afraid of it, because much like, you know, a lot of technology, robots, even more so AI, I think a lot of people look at it as like, oh, no, it's going to be a job replacer. Um, and I think we've seen that a lot, especially in the artist space. You know, I've read a lot about with the AI producing images and how a lot of artists are up in uproar of that. Um, what's your opinion on that side of it with the AI making, you know, art and potentially replacing artists? And, you know, I know you make music and you're an artist, you know, what's your opinion on potentially AI, you know, a company instead of paying an artist to make a song, just be like, oh, let's run it through the AI bot and we no longer have to pay artists for anything. Yeah, I honestly, like, I love it. Um, I'm always in the mentality of uh, adapting to to those types of new technologies. I think it just adds another unique layer to 
um, how people view art um, because, you know, people who, you know, say, for instance, like John Mayer or someone like that, um, that type of live performance feeling, all that kind of stuff, that's going to become the gold, essentially. Maybe we see, you know, ticket prices go up for um, live painting sessions, you know, uh, maybe photographers carry around and they start live streaming on Twitch on what they see. So I think that it definitely, um, it definitely is going to create a super niche market for each individual artist, but it's up to that artist to kind of find, find a, a way to utilize it because it's definitely not going away anytime soon. I feel like living in a big city like New York, you're, a lot of things are kind of, you know, tested there first. Have you started to see more AI kind of roll out in daily life in any sort of facet or not really? Not really yet. No. Um, I, I know some, some like musicians are starting to use the, uh, the text to image AI generation for, say album covers or song covers um, for that art, because that again is uh, something that you would pay, you know, a photographer for, or just create something on your own. So that's kind of an easy way for um, artists to, to create their album cover by themselves if they want to, and they have an idea. It basically just allows you to, um, you know, get all your ideas out and turn that into an image. So. Uh, haven't really seen it too much at work or anything like that, um, but I feel like in the next couple of years, we'll definitely see it be, be integrated. I know Microsoft Teams recently integrated it into um, their system. So Yeah, and I'm sure the art is a lot better than the stuff we were making in Microsoft Paint back in the computer labs in school. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. Definitely still one on Facebook from that we made our freshman year messing around in Bougie's class. <laughs> <laughs> Straight savages in that class. I loved it. Oh, <laughs> How long have you been on the East Coast now? Is it, uh, what, 10 years? Um, So I moved here in 2017 uh, to – that's where uh, my – that's where Wreck-It Ben Keyser's um, office is for packaging. Um, and then was here until COVID. And then during COVID, my fiance and I were just like, you know what, we're paying all this money for this small apartment. And, you know, there's two patches of green grass outside. If we're going to be locked inside, let's just, you know, take a trip to Denver. And so we ended up moving there, lived there for around a year and a half. And we just recently moved back to the East Coast um, to Brooklyn in uh, September of last year. So a little bit back and forth, but definitely one of the, the better places that I've lived in Denver. Absolutely love that city. Um, I know you guys both live there, right? How was your experience in Denver? Yeah, man, I loved it. It's hands down the favorite place I've lived so far. Um, you know, for the most part, really nice people. Uh, the weather is amazing. You get all the seasons, although I hate seeing snow and having snow at the very least, you know, it's a very mild winter. 
uh, and it melts away super fast. So it's definitely all aces in my book. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much right there with you. I mean, you know, it reminded me a lot of uh, Michigan, but much drier and swap out the mountains for the lakes. But the people were super nice. The food was great. There was always something to do, you know, relatively speaking, where you are located in the country, you're not terribly far away from back home in Michigan. But also, if you want to go on a trip, it's a good airport to fly out of. Um, yeah, I, I have no complaints. How do you like living in that big of a city as New York? Uh, I like it. It's it's one of those things. Um, I'm We're in Brooklyn. Um and between like the food and the diversity and the entertainment um, at this age, it's like everything you could ever ask for. Um, I will say it definitely toughens you up and helps you become more decisive. Um, you know, you walk into like get a slice of pizza somewhere and if you don't know exactly what you want, they're like, okay, next. And they're like, see ya, next person up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you gotta like, be on your stuff for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely uh, the diversity is something that I really enjoy too. Because obviously, you guys know, like growing up in Okemos, um, not a whole lot of diversity. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, understatement of the century <laughs> for sure, for sure. But but now you know, like we're in Brooklyn and uh, like a couple streets away from where Jay Z grew up, so it's definitely a good. Um, it's a good thing to experience, I'd say. <laughs> Leave it at that. Yeah, 100%. But no, I mean, I'm the same way. I'm definitely very glad I've been able to move out and live in bigger cities because, like you said, the whole diversity thing is a huge thing that growing up in a small place like Okemos, you don't really understand until you start to get out and are able to experience all these other different people and cultures and types of food. Uh, but I mean, it, it definitely is still some of shock sometimes where I'm like, oh yeah, you know, the world is kind of a crazy, dangerous place. It's not little Okemos anymore. Yeah, most definitely. <clears throat> is there anything that you miss uh, about Michigan? I would definitely say the family that's, you know, that they're all still, um, in East Lansing around that area. So that's probably hands down what I miss the most. Um, outside of that, I'd say just like the lakes, you know, the, the lakes are always amazing to um, go check out and have a few days at during the summer, uh, the camping and all that kind of stuff. But I do agree with Jake completely on Denver kind of um, reminding me the most of the Midwest um, and swapping out uh, some of those things, no humidity and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's it's basically just a family. Not not too crazy about uh, Michigan as far as a place to settle down at. Um, but obviously, if the fam's there, the goal will be to try to convince them to move <laughs> somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's really also the other tough thing about living in the city is that you do not get any of that greenery like you did back in Michigan and certainly not really nice lakes. And that's one thing I know living in Dallas, I miss a lot, too, is seeing all the green instead of just all the cement. Well, and I, I think the other thing, too, Sam, you know, living, I obviously haven't, I've, one, I've never been to New York, so I can't speak on that. But 
living in bigger cities that aren't Okemos, one thing that I have noticed is that you become numb to all the weird shit that you see in the city. Oh, there's a dude taking a dookie in the corner. Oh, there's a empty bag and needle where somebody was clearly shooting up. Like you forget about how jarring those kinds of things should be on a constant basis. And yet you live in a bigger city. You're just reminded that it happens, you know, like for us, Sam, how many times do you get on Twitter and see, oh, there was another shooting in Deep Ellum last night, which is, uh, Quincy, that's the bar district. Lulu, be quiet. Hey, calm down. I'm talking. Hey, Thank Lulu. You. Um, hey, now. So it, it just, uh, I, I think that's one thing, probably the biggest thing I miss about living in a suburb is the peace and quiet and not having not being numb to the harsh realities of everyday life here uh just anywhere in the world really yeah and, and it's definitely those things that sometimes if i say like oh man that's crazy to somebody that is from the city they're like what that's normal i'm like oh i guess okamis is a smaller town than i realized <laughs> yeah some of the stuff you see is is crazy, especially like down the subway. Um, people, people definitely are, are interesting, but that also like it, it makes you like kind of like you were saying is it uh, it opens your eyes a little bit, lets you know, you know what's actually going on, what people are going through, you know, adds to the gratitude list, all that kind of stuff. So pros and cons. What it, what is the craziest thing you've seen in New York so far, Quincy? Ooh, that is a good question. Hmm. I haven't seen anything too crazy. Um, my my fiance Julie, she has a good story, uh, cause she works. Uh, her office is, uh, you know, in in New York City. Um, she was getting off the subway and walking to work one day, and this girl um, had her shirt off, walking down the middle of the street, singing opera. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and this was at like seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning. So that wow. opened, yeah, when she was telling me that story, I was like, yep, we're here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to your point, it just opens up your eyes to that. Everybody uh, is definitely going through a lot more than uh, sometimes you can really comprehend. So you're going to see some characters out there. And uh, speaking of your fiance, congrats on uh, getting engaged in the upcoming destination wedding. Did uh, you do that to just make sure that all the family you didn't want to come didn't come? Hey. <laughs> Smarter than he looks, fellas. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, no, we, we looked at some places uh, in California. That's where Julie's from. Um, and we we took a trip to Costa Rica last year, um, last February, and we um, visited, you know, a venue. Absolutely loved it. Um, it's um, right on the water, and it was actually cheaper, quite significantly cheaper than the ones we were looking at in California. Um, so yeah, just trying to trying to have some fun with it. You know, you only get married once. We we both love to travel. Um, and we just thought what better way to, to start, you know, marriage than to get married abroad. So, but you do have a good point. It does cut down the, cut down the list, which, um, should be interesting, but. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, and it's also nice to be able to get some sunshine during the winter. Have the New York winters been tougher than ones than growing up in Michigan, or is it about the same? Uh, I would say it's about the same. Yeah, like when we were living in Jersey, uh, on the Jersey side, Jersey gets hit pretty hard with some of the snow, um, and it does stick around. kind of like Michigan does. But living in Brooklyn has been a little bit of a different experience. We've only had snow stick probably like once this year. So by the time it, you know, goes across New York City into Brooklyn, um, a lot of it clears up, which is nice. Um, But yeah, nothing too crazy. Definitely loving the sunshine we've been getting, though. Reminds me a lot of Denver. Damn, that's wild. I would have guessed that you guys would have been just, like, stuck with snow the entire winter. Ours has been up and down. Like, literally last week we had it up in the 80s, and then today and overnight it was 30 degrees, and I've been freezing my ass off. So who knows when we'll actually see spring 100% here. Dang, that's, that is a big swing. What does, uh, uh, what does Texas usually uh, – how much snow do they usually get? Like, have you guys had snow – stick yet it's funny that you asked that because i moved here what november 2019 and when i moved here people said like oh yeah it like never snows you know winters are really mild yada 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 and it's had a snow or an ice storm every single winter since i've been here um and i think we've had at least it happened like two separate times so it'll be like snow on the ground for maybe like three to six days and then it'll all go away and warm back up but the only crappy thing is that since it's texas they don't have any infrastructure to help with it in terms of salt trucks uh so when it snows like that everything shut down shuts down for one to two days and then finally starts to open back up nice uh I know with the top five this week, we're going to do a little throwback to Okemos teachers. Did you guys both uh, bring your top five Okemos teachers? Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Quincy, would you like to do the honor starting us off with uh, your number five? Yes, I would love to. All right, starting number five, who do we got? Mr. Ryan Fountain. Oh, um, hey. That's yeah, that's a number five. Just uh all-around good guy. Um, I first had him, I believe it was mid- seventh or eighth grade middle school um, gym. And then he was also a coach for basketball as well. So, yeah, just man of the people. Great, great energy. That's my number five. Shout out to Mr. Fountain, man. Yeah, Sam and I, uh, uh, we used to work a lot with him back in the day. Definitely one of the more respected teachers at Okemos during his time. So shout out to Mr. Fountain, man. And his wife, too. Also a great teacher. But I still have the photos somewhere around of, because, uh, yeah, Mr. Fountain was our eighth grade basketball coach. And I have a, that one team photo of all, all of us dressed up funny somewhere around my room. I'll have to find it. The do rags, I remember that picture. Yup. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was great, especially around the time of like Allen Iverson. Oh, we were loving that. Yeah, I was gonna say definitely peak two thousands look. <laughs> Jake, who's uh your number five? 
Uh, I'm going way back. I have former Edgewood music teacher, Mrs. Reed. Um, shout out to Mrs. Reed. Love her to death. She was amazing at her job. What I remember the most about her is how passionate she was. You know, obviously, I didn't go to Edgewood from kindergarten all through fifth grade, but from first through fifth grade, Mrs. Reed, I mean, I still remember some of the songs that we sang when we were kids. I still remember the Edgewood fight song. She was so freaking awesome at her job, and she always made it. She always did her best to try and make it fun for all of us, even if it wasn't something we enjoyed. I always really appreciated that about her. And uh, obviously, you know, here I am 25 plus years later, still talking about uh, still talking about her. So she she uh, she knocked it out of the park, man. So shout out to Mrs. Reed. I feel like she may have been all the elementary school teachers, music teachers. Did you have her, Quincy, or did you have somebody else as a music teacher? I had someone else, uh, Deb Borton. Mr. Oh, Mrs. Borton. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. She, she was an orchestra. Did she do orchestra later or was it choir? I think, did she do middle school choir too? Middle school choir. Yep. Yeah. Oh, was she the one at Kenawa? Yeah, she was the one at Kenawa. Yep. I don't know if she did anything with Chippewa, but she was for sure at Kenawa. Okay, yeah, no, I remember her now. Yeah, no, I love Mrs. Reed, and definitely to your point, Jake, I think that her best attribute was her passion, which really I think at the end of the day is going to be behind the success of a lot of great teachers is just the passion for your craft and the passion for teaching students that will go a long way. Uh, my five, and, uh, I don't know if you had her, Jake, but, uh, Miss Wild, Kenawa, seventh grade, loved her. Amazing. One of the funniest teachers ever. Um, much like Mrs. Reed, somebody who had a lot of passion for the job, made, uh, learning a lot of fun. And I think at that age, you know, middle school, trying to get kids' attention, you know, that's something that you really got to do is try to be inventive in ways to find it, make it fun so that they pay attention. Um, but, yeah, then uh, science, and then she also did Spanish. But, yeah, Miss Wild coming in at number five for me. Big Q, who you got for number four, man? All right, number four. Let's see what we got. It, it was actually Mrs. Borton. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. She, like I, I basically echo what you guys were saying. Just the passion, the energy, um, and it, it, especially kind of growing up and kind of realizing, you know, the logistics and all the different things you have to overcome as a teacher in a school system. Like to to bring that energy and that like feeling every day, just mad respect. That's a really good point, especially now that we all have friends that are teachers. It's wild to think back on some of these and like, wow, I can't believe you came with that energy every single day when I know you were dealing with some rough shit behind the scenes at some point, if not for extended periods of time. Preach. Who's uh, Quattro for you, Jacob? I had Mr. Prince. Um, for a couple Ooh, of different reasons. That's another um, great one. I put him on this list. One, I only had him once, and I thought he was a good teacher. He was strict, but he was fair. 
I appreciated his candid. He was very candid with us about what he what he wanted us to learn, how he wanted us to learn it. Um, he didn't really take any crap from anybody. You knew when you went in there, you were there to get get your. You were there to learn. You know, uh, wasn't a business like approach, but it was just very matter of fact. But the main reason that I put Mr. Prince on here is because of the impact that he left on me at Adam's funeral. I remember I was very sick. Um, I had just gotten out of the hospital uh, earlier that day, and I just remember how compassionate he was towards me. Uh, he really went out of his way to make sure that I was doing okay, and I know how difficult that day was for him. So the fact that he went out of his way to make a 19-year-old feel loved and appreciated and cared for when we were both going through it. Uh, that selflessness, I know that he, I know that he did that uh, when he was teaching as well. And uh, I, he's just a great dude, man. I, I really don't know how else to say it. He's a wonderful human being. I can't thank him enough. And uh, I was lucky and fortunate enough to have Yeah, no, and I definitely, I think I had him one, cause he, I think I had him in sixth grade for science, cause he was what, a teacher at Kenawa and then the high school wrestling coach, right? Yep, and I think he moved to teach at OHS to, uh, after, like, I think he was teaching at Kenawa, and then I, I wanna say he taught at OHS as well, but I don't remember 100%. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure I must have had him for science because then I remember seeing him at high school when he was the wrestling coach. Did you have him, Quincy, or no? I'm pretty sure I had him, yeah, for uh, for science in middle school. He was a great guy. Always a solid choice. Uh, my number four was Mrs. DeLynn, fourth grade elementary teacher at Edgewood. Um, you know, obviously we've talked about passion being a very strong, uh, characteristic of a great teacher, but besides passion, she also pushed me, which was something I needed at the time, uh, because a lot of times I would just finish work super early and then mess around. So she was somebody that really pushed me at a young age to try to do more, learn more. And looking back, I really, really appreciate that. And she was always somebody that I thought had a really big part in my learning experience growing up. Now we're on to top three, Quincy. Top three, let's get it. So my top three, my number three is Mrs. Jocelyn Mankowski. So she was a fourth grade teacher at Wardcliffe. Um, it was her first year uh, teaching when I had her. And um, just, again, just amazing energy. Um, we were all learning together. Uh, so many like positive memories from that class. Um, one of the things that really stands out is uh, just like her love for books. And that's kind of where I, um, I developed, you know, a love for, you know, finding specifically and reading, you know, stuff that really interests me. So uh, shout out to Miss J and uh, yeah, number three. It's crazy to think about how many teachers have inspired kids in a similar way like that, where you're talking about, you know, just because you had her, you did then develop that passion. It's amazing to think how important teachers' roles are in the development of so many kids in our system. 
so true absolutely need those people too like it, it honestly it kills me that <laughs> um that teachers you know don't get the praise that they should but yeah shout out all the teachers out there yeah or the financial compensation i mean you know it's we live in such a back word society where the jobs that 99 percent of us rely on the most so law enforcement paramedics first aid responders teachers these people you know they're not paid for they're not paid what they should be getting paid and it is you i mean we talk about how all these people that we've mentioned they all left a lasting impression on on us and we're still still talking about it decades later you know the impact that they're leaving it represents so much more than money and at the same time the fact that they're still leaving this big of an impact on us you know they need to be getting paid way more especially having to put up with the bullshit that parents do man i can't even imagine having to deal with that you know ugh yeah (laughs) (laughs) who you got coming at your number three jake uh i have courtney whitmire um government teacher i had in high school um i i really enjoyed mr whitmire one of the things that i always enjoyed the most about him was his ability to deflect someone trying to start an argument with him um both regular government and ap government we had factions so we had extremely liberal students we had conservative extremely conservative what you might consider a moderate or left-leaning we there was a decent sized uh population of people that were very politically opinionated especially in the ap gov class and what i really always enjoyed watching him do was kind of deflect someone trying to get him to give a political opinion that would kind of tip his hand towards how he would vote in a certain situation, for example. Um, He made it very clear that he was there to teach. He was there to educate. He was there to poke and prod. So he, he was very open about what he wanted us to think of. So if he thought that we weren't opening our mind enough, so we were only looking at it from one perspective, his questions would be probing you, you know, essentially a game of devil's advocate. And um, I have to say, I mean, there are very, there are very few teachers that got me to learn more than Mr. Whitmire did. I thought he was simply fantastic at his job, always came in with a smile on his face. And like I said, I mean, in terms of deflecting and de-escalating, it, it was him and maybe Hare Floyd were the only people that I, you know, I never really saw them get overly upset. Um, if it did, it was very fleeting and it only happened, you know, maybe once or twice. But what about you, Samwise? Who you got? Yeah, uh, similar vein. I'm going with the government teacher I had, Miss Ives. Uh, I love Miss Ives. She was really funny. She was great at teaching, um, and she was another teacher that challenged me. She wouldn't put up with my shit. Uh, I would definitely, at that age, try to do as little as much work to get the best possible grade, um, and she obviously wasn't a fan of that. So we always had a great time. 
My only regret is that she had a little kid, a son, and I gave her like four giant tubs of my Legos um, my senior year. And now I really wish I had those Legos to play with. But other than that, <laughs> an amazing teacher. <sighs> Who'd you have for Governor Quincy, Ives or Whitmire? Yeah, I had Whitmire. I was going to say same same vein as uh as Jake, the ability to, you know, not have your perspective swayed and to look at the facts and to also teach that, you know, to what, 14, 15 year olds is definitely special. So shout out, Mr. Whitmire. Shout out. All right, Quincy, number two, what you got, brother? All right, number two coming in, Danielle Tandock. Anatomy in high school. Um, I just have to say, like, one of the most open-minded and, like, true people that I've had the pleasure of coming across. Like, she truly, like, in my opinion, just, like, lives her truth and, like, for the students. And she's always willing to hear both sides of everything. And she wants those discussions. And I think that's the key is um, someone in a leadership role who wants the discussions of both sides. So, you know, it, everything can be talked out. So shout out, Ms. Sandock. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was always super jealous. I never had her. Everybody always raved about her, and uh, I was always really jealous. I never got to have her. She seemed like she was a great teacher. That's so funny because I was going to say the greatest compliment I can give her is that I hated science, but I always comp contemplated looking to sign up for one of her classes just because of how highly everybody else spoke of her and said she was the best teacher ever. Who you got coming on at your number two, Jake? You know, I debated for a long time. This was the most difficult decision of the, of the five teachers that I chose, and uh, it's more of a 1A, 1B, but since we are doing the top five, I'll, I'll abide by the rules. I had Mr. Smith. Um, Mr. Smith was by far my favorite history teacher. He didn't put up with anyone's crap. I loved his sarcasm. If somebody was goofing around the class or, you know, quote unquote, talking back, uh, history is already something that I really love. And yet somehow he always managed to find a way to make me enjoy it even more. You know, there are very few people that can make you interested in learning about the intricacies of 19th century post-Civil uh, War American politics like Mr. Smith. And, um, you know, as you guys, this is, uh, you know, outside of there's the my next teacher, outside of him, I, I don't know if there's I've ever had a teacher that really pushed and challenged me academically as much. You know, I remember even after we got done, with the AP history exam and I was it was uh, I was one of the only seniors in my class for that AP history exam and uh, I remember asking him about some books that I could read and he recommended to me uh, this book called The Path to Power and it's by Robert Caro and it's a series of books on LBJ so basically the last few weeks of senior year um, that is what I was reading was this three set volume on Lyndon Johnson, uh, solely because of the recommendation of him. I don't think if anybody else had, had asked me to do something like that, that I would have done it. Um, 
I have no bad memories of him as a teacher whatsoever. And even in the few times in which he would, you know, not chastise me, but, you know, call me out for not putting in a plus effort on something. Um, I mean, I, I never, uh, I, I just took it as a challenge to step my game up. I never took it personally, you know, and, uh, I think that's something dad, uh, did a good job at at times too when he was coaching us and when you were dogging it and it was super easy for him to call it out. He just had this innate sense of, are you giving the effort that I've come to expect from you or are you not? It was a really, he just, it was like a spider sense almost. Did you learn how to coordinate and cover up uh, assassinate presidential assassination attempts with the CIA in that book, Jake? Um, no, but it did <laughs> about how Lyndon Johnson loved to use his cock to basically get people to do whatever he wanted. You know, he was known as one of the master negotiators of the Senate in the 20th century. Um, he was very well known for being able to get things done. And he liked to show people, for lack of a better word, that what he was working with and that you better not fuck with him. That was kind of his shtick. Yeah. Great choice for number two though. Mr. Smith was another one of my uh, favorite teachers. Did you have him Quincy? No, didn't have Mr. Smith, but I only heard great things. So. One of the lost ones. Um, my number two is uh, Mr. Bougie. Uh, Bougie was freshman year basketball coach, and then he also did engineering, robotics, and a few other things. Um, admittedly, you know, after I had him freshman year, my junior and then senior year, and maybe even my sophomore year, I just signed up for his electives um, just so I could be around him and hang with him, not even really because I had any interest in whatever he was teaching. Um, but he was a great guy. I mean, he it made everything fun. I also think at that age, he was, you know, he was a younger teacher. So he didn't mind speaking to a lot of us like we were more peers instead of little kids. Uh, and I think something at that age, that's something you're always looking for is to be treated more like an adult because, you know, you're out of teenagehood, getting closer to college, which at that time, I, I think you're always perceiving as adulthood, even though now looking back, it's like, oh, damn, even in college, I was still a kid. Um, so, yeah, Mr. Bougie, my number two. Oh, and I would be ill uh, if I didn't mention his amazing calves, uh, Bougie Thundercats. <laughs> oh shout out mr bougie oh my gosh that's funny Uh, uh, coming in at number one quincy coming in at number one rob stevenson so he was uh i had him third grade teacher at wardcliffe and um like when you talk about passion when you talk about energy when you talk about super forward thinking, hands-on, um, definitely takes the cake. I, I know he, he won a bunch of teacher um, of the year awards um, kind of after I left Wardcliffe. But um, specifically, I just remember him making every single person feel like, you know, they were super smart. You know, they had someone 
you know, to talk to, to like get ideas out. Um, he was really good at, you know, letting people know that if you have an idea, it's not stupid, go ahead and explore it, um, come to your own conclusion. And this was in third grade. So definitely number one, shout out Rob Stevenson. And a great way to have people think at any age, but especially at a young age of, you know, encouraging people to explore and that nothing is stupid to ask or to think and that you just got to work through it. I think that's always really, really important. What you got coming in at your number one, Jake? Uh, I have Herr Floyd, German teacher. I had him all through four years of high school. Um, I originally took German because I thought uncle it'd be easy for me to get help from uncle John, uh, that, Ended up not. I mean, I did get a little help, but Hair Floyd. Hair <laughs> uh, Floyd made German so fun. I mean, I lived in Germany for five years. Hair Floyd was like one of the one of the big reasons why um, I was so excited to move to Germany when I initially had that opportunity. And my love for the German language it comes from him. My love for languages uh, comes from him. Um. He never put up with anyone's crap. He always had a smile on his face. Uh, I don't think I've ever met anyone that drinks as much coffee as he did uh, for an extended period of time. But he, you know, I went back, I don't know, within the last, since I've moved back, uh, so within the last five years, we had a really nice chat. He's doing really well, seems to be, um, I mean, I just really, I don't have a bad thing to say about anything that happened uh, under his watch. I always felt like I was learning something new, and I really loved his imaginative and creative ways to help us get to learn German, which for people who don't know anything about the German language, um, although there are a lot of similarities in words uh, between the German and English language, the grammar structure is very confusing for someone who's trying to learn a new language. And he made it a lot easier. Um, so yeah, Herr Floyd, man, shout out. Grüß dich, Herr Floyd. Vielen Dank nochmal. Ich hoffe, dass wir uns sehen können bald. Und vielen Dank. Yeah, uh, I don't speak German, but <laughs> uh, I just said thank you. Hope we get to see you soon. Thanks again. There you go. Thank you for the translation. Uh, my number one is Mr. Saltz. I uh, had him either three or four years. I can't quite remember. Um, but hands down, the teacher with the biggest impact. You know, I had mentioned I really enjoy teachers that make challenge me. Uh, and he really challenged me to question everything. You know, he was the one that said there's very few things in life you actually have to do um, besides pay taxes and breathe. And even breathing, you have a, a choice not to do. And taxes, you have a choice not to do. There's just heavy consequences. So he really, really uh, helped transform the way I think and really made me question everything, look at everything. Uh, and, you know, till this day, one of his things was questions, comments, concerns. And I use that, you know, now I train people for a living and I use that every single time I'm training people or I'm demonstrating something new. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, shout out to Mr. Saltz. I know he's going to achieve amazing things. Um, and yeah, he's uh, now the interim dean at a college. So uh, I'm hoping one day he gets into politics because I think he could really help change our nation. Good follower on Twitter too. Yeah, yeah, a great follow on Twitter. Really? What's his uh, What's his Twitter handle? I'd love to follow him. Uh, let me see real quick. Yeah, because he's up in Portland. He goes to a lot of Blazers games. Uh, at Andy Saltz. Love it. Saltz. Without further ado, it is now time for the Quote Zone. Quote Zone. Hit us with that quote, Sammy. What you got for us today, brother? This one is a music lyric. Uh, I don't think either of you will guess it, but maybe you could guess what it's from a soundtrack. So maybe you could guess the soundtrack because I doubt you'll know the artist or the name of the song. But the quote is, uh, keep it glazed like a donut. Hmm. Is it the 8 Mile soundtrack? No. I'm blanking. Yeah. Is it it a Wiz Khalifa song? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) It was uh, popular with our eighth grade basketball team. Just that phrase. But it was uh, My Main Aim by MC Light. It's from the NBA Live 05 soundtrack. Oh, yes. I remember that. No. That's a good one. (laughs) Man, those NBA Live soundtracks were so amazing. It's still crazy to me to think of how much of a chokehold EA had, and then they lost it to 2K in an instance. Like, just in a blink of an eye. So true. Would you more of a ballin' boy guy myself, Sam? I'm ballin' boy. We ballin' boy. Still have that one. uh, I think that's O2, because I feel like that's the one with Jason Kidd on the... It was the one that we played on the computer a lot. That's what I remember because dad got us that special little controller that, that plugged into the USB. Yeah. I think it's 2001. We'll have to look at that afterwards. What'd you uh, bring for your quote this week, Quincy? All right. So my quote, if somebody tells you a rule, break it. That's the only way to move things forward. And I'll give you a hint. Uh, this person is from Germany. Arnold Schwarzenegger? Nope. Dirk Nowitzki? No. Hans Zimmer. The legend. Interesting. The legend. Well, one of my favorite uh, music producers has been in basically every one of my favorite movies. So I had to had to show Hans some love. He did the Interstellar uh, soundtrack, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yep, did Interstellar, uh, he was in Dune, uh, Inception, Top Gun Maverick, just crazy, crazy amount of work that he's done. And can you say the quote one more time? Yeah, if somebody tells you a rule, break it. That's the only way to move things forward. Yeah, that's really Sam, powerful. I have a new rule for this podcast. What? Uh, you are not allowed to pay me anymore. So now you have to break that rule. <laughs> I'm not, wait, what? Oh, oh, 
I get it. <laughs> it, it wasn't that funny, Sam. It wasn't that funny. Quincy, I appreciate you laughing. Um, yeah. Filed yeah, that no, one it, under it, the mom joke cabinet. Funny that you chose. I mean, one, I really like the quote, especially from somebody who's at the pinnacle of their game, like Hans Zimmer. But it's funny that you chose him because Jake is, is a huge Hans Zimmer fan. We definitely listen to at least one song a day in our office together. Oh, nice. I love that. What'd you bring for your quote this week, Jake? I brought a quote from history. Um, honestly, kind of more like a motto, too. Um, but the quote is, uh, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. And... The quote is from a very famous ancient philosopher, so I'll give you guys Socrates. Close, mm. uh, but yes, that's that's where the idea originated was from Socrates, Sam. Um, Aristocles. Aristotle? Yeah, it's from Aristotle. So Socrates teaches this to Plato, who and then who then in turn teaches this to Aristotle. So. It, I mean, it, it's pretty self-explanatory, but really just understanding who you are and knowing yourself, that is really, in my opinion, that's what wisdom is, is just recognizing who you are, understanding yourself, knowing your limitations, knowing what you can and can't do, you know. Um, it, it, for me, it's just always very important. I try and be as introspective as I can because that often understanding myself and how I work and operate, it leads me to, in my opinion, more success. And at a base level, it just makes me happier. The more I understand myself, the easier it is to figure out what makes me happy and, you know, figure out what works for me and what doesn't. Yeah, we talk about it all the time, how powerful self-awareness is in so many facets of life. Uh, I think about it all the time when I'm watching Survivor, just how powerful self-awareness can be and get you through life. Every Amen. time I also hear Plato, I immediately think of Plato's closet, not even going to front. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. No, that's a really good quote. That needs to be a tattoo. Jeez. Yeah, put it on a bumper sticker. For real. Uh, last but not least, we have our word of the week. Word of the week. Word of the week. Quincy, you want to start us off, dude? All right, can definitely do that. All right, so my word is petriture. Can you spell that for us, please? Yep, P-E-T-R-I-C-H-O-R. Petriture. Wow. I feel like it may be, uh, I feel like something old because I'm thinking petrified. What do you think, Jake? Petrature. And it's, it's something P-E-T-R-I-C-H-O-R, right, Quincy? Correct. Yep. Oh, petrature. Yeah, I'm with you, Sam. I don't know what it is, but it's got to do, it has to do with something being like preserved or old. I just, I'm not sure. That's it. Maybe a tough I'm going to, I'm going to lock in with preserved piece of art. I don't think it's right, but what, what is it, Quincy? That's a good one. 
It's a pleasant smell that frequently accompanies the first rain after a long period of warm, dry weather. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I do like that smell. Learned something new. I didn't realize it had like a technical name. Yeah, me neither. FYI, I searched for the this word for about two days straight trying to stump you guys because <laughs> I know you guys have ladies. <laughs> so phew. I didn't even know there was a word to describe that. So that thank you for bringing that up. I'm definitely going to start using that in my vocab now. Petriture. Do it. When, uh, and I can't think of any other examples, but when there's words to describe like those weird little things like the smell of the rain, it's funny. Um, the word I brought this week is gasconade. Can you spell that? Gasconade? Yeah. Yeah. G-A-S-C-O-N-A-D-E. Gasconade. Who knows? I could be pronouncing it wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have absolutely no idea what that means. Um, Cascade. I want to say it's very, it's very out there. That's yeah. About the all, that's about the only. Uh, you're, word. you're, you're on the right line. It's, uh, extravagant boasting. Ah, that's a good one. The Gasconade of his stories, he was basically a superhero that did it all by himself. That's a good one. Damn, that's another good vocab word, Sam. Goodness. Yeah, I had to reach deep to find that one. What you got to round us off, Jake? I have the word cantankerous. C-A-N-T-A-N-K-E-R-O-U-S. Cantankerous. That's like a curmudgeon like a old grumpy man, like a cantankerous man, like old grumpy, uh, annoying. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be a man, but yeah, you hit the definition. Bad-tempered, argumentative, uncooperative, you know, the it uh, it is a word that you basically use to describe somebody who's, you know, like like I just said, argumentative, bad-tempered, uncooperative, usually associated with an old man, but obviously, you know, it doesn't have to be. You could be, you know, you could be a young person, be cantankerous, you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've definitely you, known a few cantankerous people that were kids. I was going to say, we <laughs> had our run-ins with some cantankerous people in the past, yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, Quincy, thanks again for hopping on, man. Um. Tell our listeners if they want to listen to some of your music, where can they find you? Or, you know, is there anything else we you want to plug? Uh, yeah, so I have music on Apple Music and uh, Spotify. Uh, if you search LAF, just L-A-F, um, I'm under the artist there. Um, but, yeah, it's... Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Brothers and Others, hosted by the Marsh Brothers. We wanted to remind you to email us at brothersmarsh at gmail.com with any questions you'd like answered on the pod or any topics you'd like covered. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at brothers, capital N, others. 
Last but not least, ensure to leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. That's That's it for now. now. Until Until next time. time.